This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Today, on the Indo-Daily, when private and professional worlds collide. This week, there were reports of a Dublin woman losing her job at Wix, an Israeli tech company, after she criticised Israel on social media. She is claiming that she was posting remarks about the situation in Gaza and Israel and she claims that uh, as a result of her commentary on that situation that uh, she was let go from the company. And Paddy Cosgrave, the chief executive of the Web Summit, resigned from his role this week following backlash about comments that he had made online. We all have ideas and a right to comment on what's happening in the world. Ideally, that should be in an individual, private capacity in a closed Instagram with 100 followers and not 1,000 followers. These recent stories have shown that airing personal views on the internet can have serious professional consequences. If you're going to tweet something that uh, maybe is controversial, uh, save it as a draft and look at it the next day and see if you still want to tweet it. I'm Ellen Coyne, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Adrian Weckler, technology editor with the Irish Independent, and by Julie Galbraith, employment law partner at Evershed Sutherland, to ask if expressing political sympathies could cost you your job. So Adrian, we had a very big story this week. Uh, a woman who identified herself as Courtney Carey claimed to have been let go by Wix, which is an Israeli company. And this woman said that um, she was let go because of views she expressed about what's happening in Gaza. But first of all, for people who might not be familiar, what is Wix? Uh, Wix is a website building platform company. If you want to build a website, uh, there are a couple of companies you can go to. Wix makes it very, very easy. You just go on, log on. They give you all the tools, infrastructure. You can have a fairly professional looking website. It's a fairly big company, about 5,000 staff. 10% of them are based in Dublin, but 500 people here, as you mentioned, uh, headquartered in Tel Aviv, founded by um, three Israeli uh, founders uh, and still has its headquarters in Tel Aviv, even though it's a, a traded company and it has um, offices and development offices all over the world. So very much an example of uh, Israeli tech and, and the Israeli tech ecosystem. So this person, Courtney Carey, she has been in the media a lot this week. Um, what is she saying happened? She is claiming that she was posting remarks about the situation in Gaza and Israel um, and screenshots posted of some of those remarks uh, claim to show her uh, saying that uh, Israel is a terrorist state and an apartheid state. And she claims that uh, as a result of her commentary on that situation that uh, she was let go from the company. 
Okay, and she is an Irish employee. Is she based in the Irish office? She's based in the Irish office. Her uh, LinkedIn profile describes her as being a customer care manager. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, a large part of what Wix does in Dublin is to look after uh, the regions in Europe uh, to take care of issues. So obviously this became quite a big story here and it even made its way to the doll. Before coming to any judgment on anything or condemning anyone, I would always wish to know the facts uh, and hear all all sides of any case. Um, But certainly uh, under Irish employment law, it is not okay to dismiss somebody because of their political views um, uh, and certainly would uh, believe that to be wrong. And I'd encourage the um, woman concerned to seek advice, whether it's from the WRC uh, or the trade union or a solicitor, because it may well constitute uh, wrongful dismissal. Yes, Leo Varadkar, the Taoiseach, um, and the Taunish Dimi Hallmartin both have intervened in this. Leo Varadkar said that she should get uh, legal advice on the issue, and Michal Martin said that it was unacceptable on the purported facts of the case that uh, someone should be uh, let go for their political views. I'm really interested in that, Julie, and you might be able to to shed some light on that. Are the politicians correct when they say that it is wrong for somebody to be let go because of their political views? I suppose the, the easy answer is that there's lots of conflicting rights at play when we talk about things like this. So on one hand, you have the company's right to maintain their good image, maintain their values, maintain what they need, as they would say, to address their clients, customers and owners in the market. Then on the other hand, you have a lot of employee rights that are coming into this. So they would include the really broad constitutional rights that we all have, your your fundamental rights as an individual, that you have the right to free speech, that you have the right to a good name. And then there's lots of employment rights that come into play as well. That would include the right to be fairly employed, not to be unfairly dismissed or not to be wrongfully dismissed, as the Taoiseach mentioned in the Doyle. And all of those rights now are essentially coming together and conflicting. So on one hand, the problem for many employers is that once an employee has more than one year service, they have unfair dismissal rights. And what that essentially means is that it's immediately unfair for an employer to dismiss anyone unless it's for one of the fair grinds under the Act. And the Act would say the fair grinds are things like capability. Are you actually able to do the job? Conduct. So is there misconduct, which would apply in a case like this? Is there a redundancy scenario or is there any other substantial reason, like has a work permit expired or has the contract been frustrated for some reason? So in scenarios like this, what an employer would have to look at is, is the conduct complained of so serious that it constitutes gross misconduct? Because gross misconduct would give the employer a right to normally under contract terminate that contract without notice. But, and this is a big but, just by the fact that you can terminate without notice, it doesn't mean that you can terminate without following a fair procedure. So you still must follow a full procedure when investigating and disciplining an employee for that kind of conduct. So again, that comes back to someone's constitutional rights. We have a constitutional right to a fair hearing. We have rights under natural justice and fair procedures. That means knowing the case that's against you, being invited to a meeting, having the opportunity to defend yourself, to put forward your own case, to say... Was this person's phone hacked? Did someone else log on on her behalf? Was she out of the country? Was her phone... Did, did the police have her phone? Like there can I hear all sorts of excuses that come up in disciplinary procedures as to why someone did not do the behaviour complained of. 
but that has to be fully carried out. That dismissal or that decision must then be considered. And if the decision is dismissal, that must be communicated to her in a very particular kind of way with the right to appeal. And then there's all sorts of other permutations that come through. If dismissal is the most likely end result or consequence, should that employee be legally represented coming into the meeting? Should she have um, an IT expert to help her analyse when the posts were made of her defences that she was out of the country? So there's an awful lot to this kind of a dismissal and that will all then play into the fact that, I think you mentioned the, the Taunish or the Taoiseach mentioned she should get legal advice. She should because if it's gone into the WRC, these are all the things that the WRC will consider. I'm so interested in the the social media element. I feel like in the not too distant past, people would have felt like what they do on social media is something that they do in their own time. In certain roles now, certainly in tech, your presence on social media is kind of part of your, your job and particularly on platforms like LinkedIn. Do you think it is prudent for employees to consider if the things that they post on social media would be something that they would say in a work environment? Absolutely. All of your listeners here will have a workplace where social media comes into the workplace all the time, whether that's Teams conversations. And I know Teams isn't necessarily social media, but in the same way, people say things on Teams that they may not say to someone's face or they may (laughs) say about someone else. And in the same way as WhatsApp messages can go awry, so can Teams messages. The first time one of these cases came up was back in, I think, 2007 in relation to Aware. So you might remember Aware was a a clothes shop on, on Grafton Street. It was always really handy for a little top or something. Good sales. Great, great sales. <laughs> but an employee in Awer, a sales assistant, posted negative comments about her manager on Bebo, which is another blast from the past. Yeah. So she put up some things about her manager on Bebo and like with everything, things can be screenshotted. So even when they're deleted, they never go away. Like There's always an evidence of something that was said. And Awer dismissed her because of the comments that she said about her manager on Bebo. That went to the WRC or the the EAT as it might have been back then. And in the end of the employee was ordered about four thousand euro, which with inflation and the, the salary of a probably a part time sales assistant, it is quite a high award for comments made about her manager. Now again, a lot of the awards from the WRC may not necessarily be in reflection of the conduct It's often more in terms of the performance and the process of the employer. So how has the employer actually investigated those complaints and was the decision proportionate? So in the scenario we're talking about today, I would think that will be one of the most relevant points that will be looked at into the future. So one, did they have a process? Did they investigate? Did they invite her to a meeting? Was she informed of all the allegations and was that decision properly communicated to her? Did she have the right to appeal? And then secondly, was the decision to dismiss proportionate? Mm-hmm. So what what's the definition of proportionality? It's very broad. A company can decide in their own environment what is gross misconduct, what might be the case for some of your listeners or for employees of um, the Irish Independent. could be very different for a solicitor in Evershed Sutherland in my business. I'm really interested in if you've ever seen a trend in this issue coming up in big political moments in times when people are are making quite strong commentary or when there's quite um quite a divisive political or social issue like have we seen other examples of that coming up before we have and I would see that same and even in my day-to-day practice as an employment lawyer who will work with companies where there are small issues arising that may not lead to dismissal but that lead to 
employee relations issues in the workplace. So that might be a few years back, somebody wearing a Repeal of the Eighth t-shirt. Like that was very common, a Repeal of the Eighth pin or even down to football jerseys. But in particular, in the last few years, we really felt it in terms of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. But there is one published case with the WRC where an employee of the Carlo Dental Centre published on a Facebook page comments about Ukrainian refugees that were coming into Ireland. A member of the public screenshotted that and I think followed back to her own private Facebook page and realised that this employee worked for Carlo Dental. They then got in touch with Carlo Dental and the employee was dismissed. Now, the, the, the problem, I suppose, for the company here is that they based on the WRC decision, didn't follow an extensive procedure. So they met as business owners and decided for our business in a small town where members of the public are contacting us about something like this, we simply can't have this person continuing to work with us. And they made that decision. I feel, Adrian, that if we're talking about this whole area of, um, you know, political, expressing political decisions online and the consequences that it has in work, particularly in tech, we can't really not talk about the Web Summit. I know we discussed this controversy last week but uh, in the interim obviously Paddy Cosgrave has resigned do you have any insight in kind of what the what the mood is around the web summit now and also is there going to be a web summit next year Yes, I think there will be a web summit next year. There'll definitely be a web summit next month. There'll almost certainly be a web summit in Qatar, which is the next big one in February. And I think there probably will be a web summit next year because if you look at the economics of it, uh, the web summit gets paid about between 10 and 20 million euro per year per city to host the event there. They can't really pull out of it without taking a massive hit. Now, part of the deal is as well that they're supposed to uh, promote those cities in being big uh, tech, new tech hubs and bring ecosystems in. And that gets to the heart of why this is so damaging, because Paddy Cosgrave and the Web Summit insulted uh, the Israeli tech Mm -hmm. uh, system and by extension, a huge chunk of the American tech ecosystem. So the past two years, California's Attorney General Rob Bont has collected hate crimes data, and we've seen more than a 20% increase year over year since that last war happened. So given the enormity of what's unfolding and protests that we're seeing around the world, uh, we're not hesitating. We we are anticipating this spike of, of rhetoric, and we know where incitement can lead. And how are you going to get all those people now to come to Qatar, which Qatar is paying 20 million a year, um, to, to get that tech ecosystem there? They're not going to go there. But if you think about this from a broader uh, context, the law doesn't matter. The WRC doesn't matter. 4,000 euro doesn't matter. 8,000 euro doesn't matter. Wix's annual profit is about 130 million euro a year. They don't care whether the WRC is coming for them or Leo Varadkar says something or Michal Martin says something. From their point of view, They cannot have an employee in Slack channels or in communication channels saying things about Israel, Uh, regardless of this particular case. They cannot have an employee doing that because they are an Israeli tech company. It's not worth it to them for all of the blowback they will get commercially and within the ecosystem to have someone doing that. Whatever it costs to get rid of somebody like that, it's worth it to them. The WRC doesn't matter. The law doesn't matter. So it's like the PR implications are far more potent and influential not than just PR, any employment it's commercial role. viability. So it's it's not just the bad publicity they get. They lose business. They lose contracts. Not only that, they end up having uh, a, a really impassioned, dedicated lobby against them. That's mm. pretty much what happened to the Web Summit. Yeah. And that's still 
it's still kind of in full flow against uh, the Web Summit. Paddy Cosgrave wasn't employed by the Web Summit. He was the CEO. He was a, a founder of the Web Summit. He actually resigned. I never thought I would see Paddy Cosgrave step down from the Web Summit. Even in the worst of it, I thought he'd try and hang on and ride it out. The fact that he resigned shows just how serious this issue is within the tech ecosystem and why a company like Wix is probably not going to stand around if they think an employee is posting stuff like that. It's a really good point. It, it, it does happen quite a lot where... Companies will say, Julie, tell me what the law says I should do here and now tell me commercially what I can do because there are some instances where it actually doesn't matter how fair a process you could follow when the risk is so intrinsic to the business that an employer or a company has to take steps immediately. And that is where they will just say, you know, we'll suspend the employee, we will notify of an issue and issue a termination letter because What's the worst thing that could happen? We have to write a check for two years remuneration. Yeah. Well, that's worth it because our business is at risk if we were to allow this kind of conduct to continue. By the way, this isn't the first time this has happened. I mean, a couple of months ago, there was an Air Canada pilot who was stood down for, uh, I think he wore a, a pro-Palestine T-shirt mm -hmm. into work and he was posting stuff. And he was essentially stood down uh, by, the, uh, by the airline. We were all familiar with the case of Justine Sacco a few years ago. As she made the long journey from New York to South Africa to visit family during the holidays in 2013, Justine Sacco, 30 years old and the Senior Director of Corporate Communications at IAC, began tweeting acerbic little jokes about the indignities of travel. And then, before her final leg of her trip to Cape Town, Going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS, just kidding, I'm white. She chuckled to herself pressed send and wandered around the airport for half an hour, sporadically checking Twitter. By the time she landed, she was, I mean, she was the world's worst and yeah. she was essentially gone. Now, I'm not an employment lawyer. I don't know how that stacks up, how that would stack up in the WRC. There is no way that she as corporate communication heads for that company could stay in that position. So there are some things that transcend, you know, the law. The issue is where the line is, what you can say, what is fair political discourse. I mean, is the stuff that Courtney Carey uh, is claimed to have posted or tweeted or, or in LinkedIn or wherever, um, is that fair commentary? Actually, it might be close enough to mainstream Irish opinion. Is what Paddy Cosgrave tweeted, ironically, uh, close to mainstream Irish opinion? Probably. Um, was that enough to to save him from the backlash? Absolutely not. I mean, Ireland is kind of an outlier on this question anyway. Adrian, I'm really interested in this trend of chief executives and very powerful people kind of turning into commentators and kind of making a habit of taking certain political stances, sometimes for clout on social media. And I felt one of the reasons why Paddy Cosgrave didn't get a lot of support in Ireland is because he has had a habit of being a controversial figure and kind of saying things that sometimes can annoy people or, or rub people up the wrong way. Is there a commercial risk in tech to making yourself a public figure and a commentator in ways that we might not have seen chief execs do in traditional industries? Sure, it's a high wire act. Um, 
generally speaking, tech companies would be considered to be center or center left on the political spectrum. Certainly they would in the US anyway. Now, what they actually do and the way they operate commercially might belie that presumption, but that's how they're considered. So when somebody comes out on the center right, for example, they usually stick out like a sore thumb. Elon Musk is the obvious example. He is kind of a libertarian, kind of right wing, reactionary gets very close to the line uh, on a lot of issues, in my opinion, goes over the line uh, sometimes. But so you would say there has been a huge backlash and a commercial reality of that for Twitter, which he bought, uh, which he's now uh, renamed X, is that half the advertisers have gone. Has it been hard letting that many people go? Yeah, it's not fun at all. It's painful. The, the company's either going to go bankrupt uh, or if, if we do not cut costs immediately, um, this is not a caring, uncaring situation. It's like if the whole ship sinks, then nobody's got a job. This hasn't been some sort of party. Um, so uh, it's been really quite a stressful situation. That's partially because of Elon Musk's own political positioning, and that's also because of how he has decided to position the platform in terms of the type of speech. Uh, so that means the extremes. He will let the extremes in. So. Um, I mean, in Ireland, you would have very limited example of that. Mostly, it's very hard to get an Irish CEO in tech or outside uh, tech to say anything. Um, probably Ireland's most notable homegrown unicorn, that's a company that's uh, worth a billion euro more, is Intercom, and its chief executive is Owen McCabe, one of the founders. And he attracted a bit of uh, controversy a few weeks back. Um, he would... I think, see himself as being right of center mm-hmm. on, on some issues. Certainly, if you look through his uh, his Twitter profile, he takes positions uh, on issues, mainly in the US, it has to be said. Um, and that attracted some negative uh, feedback, but it's completely unclear whether that had any commercial ramifications. He didn't put himself out nearly as much as the likes of Elon Musk or, Pat, or Paddy Cosgrave did. So it is a high wire act. Do you think that post this incident with Paddy Cosgrave, do you think that, that that is going to change the way some people in tech kind of approach social media? Like, I don't know, is it actually, is it does the benefit of having that social media presence actually outweigh the risks? Oh, I think it does. And I don't think it will change CEOs uh, tweeting about stuff because it is a way of getting attention. You know, there's very much a a thing of no publicity is bad publicity. That's very much the thinking. And Julie, I suppose finally, just to give people advice from an employment law perspective, is it sometimes that the safest thing to do is to to just log off? Yeah, I think that there's probably two separate points for employers. You have to have a social media policy because back to the point that we're discussing, we all have ideas and a right to comment on what's happening in the world. Ideally, that should be in an individual private capacity in a closed Instagram with 100 followers and not 1,000 followers. But the employer has to set out what's acceptable in the workplace. So if you don't have a social media policy... Can you arguably say that it's gross misconduct for someone to express their views online? For employees, I would say be careful online. And I would say that not just in this context, but even when you're looking for jobs, a lot of companies now will look back at a social media presence, see what people are saying, and they will be reluctant to bring in someone potentially with a very 
out there opinion online. So be careful. What you say online doesn't go away in the way that we all think it might or it might be forgotten. People can search and can go back and can even find Bebo pages, I'm sure, and see what's there. So be careful. Have I shot myself in the foot with tweets multiple times? Yes. I think I should not tweet uh, after 3am. And my thanks to Julie Galbraith and to Adrian Weckler. I'm Ellen Coyne and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Dee Reddy, researched by Dave Hanrity, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from Oroctus TV, BBC Sounds, RTE and the Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. 